Okay, I can hear myself a little bit. All right. Praise God, everybody. Praise God, God, everybody. Amen, amen. We are excited. Choir, you may be seated. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me uh, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And as you're looking for your scriptures, just a couple of things that we want to, celebrations that we want to bring to your mind on this morning. We want to say happy one year anniversary to Minister and Sister Jerita Ford. (laughs) Amen. They are celebrating one year of marital bliss on today. Amen. So we thank and praise God for that. Amen. 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 I wish Sister Sister Tabitha stand up for a second. Sister Tabitha, just stand up for a minute. Stand up for a minute, Sister Tabitha. Stand up. Uh, I know. I know. There's another Tabitha in the room. It's okay. We thank God for Sister Tabitha. She's going to be moving to Springfield. Amen. She got a job in Springfield, but we love you. We love you, Sister Tabitha. Uh, We thank you for all that you have done for this church and the sacrifices that you made, and we just thank the Lord for you. Amen. Come on, let's give Sister Tabitha a hand. Amen, amen, amen. If Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, when you have it, let us stand for the reading and the reverence of God's word. Second Chronicles chapter 7. <coughs> I'm just going to put this disclaimer out there. I know you see this Band-Aid on my head. I cut myself this morning shaving. So, you know, I may have scars, but I'm yet still healed. So it's all right. Just give it a week or so, it'll be gone. Amen. I got to be careful with the shaving in the morning. Amen. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible. When you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't, just say wait. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Let's read that again together. Doesn't matter what version of the Bible you have, let's read it together. On the count of three, one, two, three. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and Amen. God knew just what we were saying. Amen. We may have confused ourselves, but God knew what we were saying. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for this, for the atmosphere that's in this house right now, Lord God. We thank you for who you are, Lord God. We lift you up. We make you bigger than everything, oh God. We make you bigger than our circumstance. We make you bigger than our situation, oh God, because you are God and God all by yourself. We can search all over, Father God, go north, south, east, or west, but we shall never, ever be able to find anyone like you, oh God. And so we thank you for that, Lord God. So we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. And all of God's people said... Come on, as you're taking your seats, put those hands together and give God praise in the house on today. Hey, we're going to try that again. I'll take that one for myself. But I said, put those hands together and give God praise. Amen. A great God deserves great praise. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today <coughs> from the subject, Enemies of Revival. Enemies of Revival. Second Chronicles covers much of the same period as First and Second Kings. Um, Second Chronicles gives a divine editorial on the spiritual dynasty of David and his sons and his lineage. 
David, who's known to be a man after God's own heart, uh, prepares to build the temple. But then God sends a prophet by the name of Nathan that comes to him in First Chronicles chapter 17, um, verse 11. And he tells David that his job is only to prepare for the building of the temple, that he was not going to be the one um, that would see the manifestation of the building going forth, but that he was to prepare the for he was to prepare the materials so that one of his sons, being Solomon, would be the ones that shall see the, the, see the temple come to pass. Before Solomon succeeds his father, David makes the necessary preparations for his son's success. David shows some um, counsel with his son to tell him to adhere to the commands and the audiences of God. Solomon, being young, and experience takes on the reins as king of Israel. He's given the task to carry out the assignment that was given to his father. Solomon begins to ask God for wisdom, and God blesses him with more because his heart was in the right place. He was a, Solomon is known to be one of the wisest and richest men in the land, but yet he disobeyed God. Solomon's task was not just to build the temple for the Lord, but it was to call the people of Israel to repentance so that they could turn away from their idol gods and rely totally upon God. Sin was prevalent upon the land, thus causing a separation between them and God. Solomon dedicates the temple before the Lord, recognizing the fact that uh, recognizing the fact that they had sinned and that he wanted to he wanted the presence of God to dwell in the house so that the prayers that would be sent up would be answered. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse one um, shows us how God shows up on the scenes and he burns up the burnt sacrifice. He consumes the burnt sacrifices and the glory of the Lord begins to fill the temple. The priest, the glory of the, the glory of the Lord was so much filling the temple that the priest could not even stand in the presence of the Lord. That the presence of God was so powerful that the priest could not even stand to proclaim the word of the Lord. The Levites couldn't get up the scene because the presence of God had filled the temple in such a way. The people began to bow down and began to worship God because they realized that the burnt sacrifices should have been them. They realized that they should have been the ones that was consumed by the fire, but they gave God praise that instead of you consuming us, you consume the sacrifices. That's something to praise God for right there, that despite of, despite, despite of him consuming the people for them, for being, for them being rebellious, for relying on the idols, for them uh, uh, having more dependency on man than God, he consumes the sacrifice to let them know this could be you, but I'm allowing you to experience my grace and my mercy. God tells Solomon that he's heard his prayer. He comes to him at night and tells him, I've heard your prayer. And he answered his request on the following terms. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse, 10, verse 14 is the ideal verse to kick off a, long, a week-long revival. Revival is needed in the land. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Revival is needed. But the type of revival that I'm referring to this morning is not a man-made revival that we have. I guess evangelists come in and preach five nights in the row and raise up big offerings and prophesize to us and tell us that we're going to have houses and cars and get a husband. Listen, when I was working at TCT, funny story real quick. I know I got stories for days. Uh, so I was working at TCT and the Lord, woman called in and she said, you know, can you pray that I, I want to receive a husband in the next 24 hours? 
Now, how in the world am I supposed to pray that? I said, sister, I said, I just pray that God's will be done in your life. Let us pray. And so, and so the type of revival that I'm talking about, saints of God, is not a man-made revival that, that I just said, the results and the advantages and everything coming in, but a revival where God begins to convict the hearts of man and causes us to turn towards, the, uh, turn towards repentance and to fall into alignment with God and to his will. There's nothing wrong with having revival. I'm not saying that. But if God has not ordained for the revival to happen, then all you're just doing is showing up for service. All you're just doing is just showing up for the routine of service. But when God begins to call revival, he will begin to convict the hearts of his people. He will begin to convict the hearts of his children, turn their face and they will begin to turn themselves away from those sinful things and turn their faces towards God. We are in need of a revival on the inside so that we can be able, so that so that there can be a spiritual awakening and we can be able to see ourselves just as God sees us. So that we can see ourselves as being jacked up. How we can see ourselves as being rebellious, have been, see ourselves as being someone who is working against the will of God. So that God can be able to clean us up and put us on the right track so that we can be able to accomplish everything that God will have us to accomplish. A revival cannot be something that produced, that's being produced off of our own efforts. But it has to be something. Done, decreed by the supernatural sovereign of the Lord. True revival cannot take place unless the Lord gives it. God shares with Solomon that national judgment is going to come amongst the people. It's going to come amongst Israel for their disobedience, for your rebellion. But even though he tells them what can come, he also gives them a promise to let them know that I have a promise on the other end. That if they turn from their wicked ways. If they would seek my face, then I will heal their land. Got a question for you this morning, saints. How long will you hinder the revival, the spiritual awakening of your condition that God desires to do in your life? How long will you hinder the revival, the outpour that God wants to do in your life? How long will you stay in the same place that you are, having the same emotions that you have, dealing with the same things that you're dealing with, and not just turn yourself towards God and say, God, here I am, as jacked up as I am. Here I am, Lord, so that you can be able to renew me, so that you can be able to refresh me, so that you can be able to reboost me, to reset me, to restore me. Listen, saints of God, God has been dealing with me about this. We can, you know, we talked about restoration. Now, that's our focus. That's our ministry declaration that this is the year of restoration, restore life, restore church, restore community. But how many people know that restoration, restoration comes with a responsibility? Restoration comes with a responsibility because we can see the long-term effects of it. We can see the long-term benefits, but we have to realize all the different stuff that we're going to have to go through in the middle. Because with restoration, that means that, God, I need you to uproot some things in my life to make me aware of some things in my life that's not right so that you can be able to restore me back to my original place, so that you can be able to reset me. If there's no awareness, there can't be any restoration. 
If there's no acknowledging, there can be no restoration. God has to turn. God has to begin to uproot some things, to take some stuff up by the root. Because some of the things that we, that we have going on in our lives, we deal with the stuff from the surface. It's easy to see somebody, oh, well, they need to be delivered from alcohol. Yes, I understand that they don't need to drink. But listen, let's get to the root of the issue and see why they are drinking. Because you can deal with the surface and you can say, oh, they've been delivered. Oh, they've been restored. But two weeks later, they back down at the liquor store. But until you deal with the very root of the issue, you will consistently have the same problem Over and over and over and over again. God desires to do an inner revival in your life. But we have to open up ourselves. And say, God, I don't know what all this is going to take. I don't know what all this means. But Lord, here I am. God, I'm scared. I don't know. I don't understand. But Lord, here I am. I know it may hurt God, and I know there's some things that I may have to face that I don't want to face, but God, here I am. I realize, Lord, that what you're trying to do in my life, that you're never going to leave me, that you're never going to forsake me, that you're going to be there with me the whole entire time. So, God, I trust you. That's what restoration really means. Lord, I trust you to uproot some things in my life and put me back on the right track. I trust you that much with my life. You gave me my life. So I trust you enough that you will uproot some things, that you will bring me, bring a spiritual awareness of my condition so that I can be what you have called me to be. Restoration and forgiveness awaits us to turn from our sinful ways to go back to God. Look at this. Look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, I can do what I want 
you have to love one another enough to encourage people. And so God was trying to get the children of Israel, uh, he's trying to get their people to say, you know something, you have been rebellious against me. You've done the total opposite of everything that I've told you to do. Not only were you rebellious, but you served other gods. Idol gods before me. Why would you serve an idol god when you have the real thing right there in front of
what I need, what I can do. Pride has an intense desire to be noticed. Pride is selfish. Pride is not thankful. Pride can't be corrected. How many people you know that you can't tell them nothing? You can't tell them nothing. You can argue them down and say, the sky is blue, no, the sky is red. You can't correct them. They didn't know the sky is red. The sky is blue. Pride can't be corrected. Pride can't submit and follow instructions. Pride cannot submit and follow instructions. This is the problem that the children of Israel had. They were so rebellious. Rebellious. Want to do stuff their way. Manipulated Moses. Moses, you ain't working quick enough. We're going we're gonna to work for you. Even though Moses was the leader. Moses was the one that God had in that time and that place for that purpose. Moses, you ain't working quick. We're going to call on him. Because you're not moving fast enough. You're talking to God too long. We need some direction. We need some guidance. We need to move. We're ready to go to another level. But nobody wanted to wait on the man of God. Because he was receiving instructions from God. But they said, you know what? You're not moving quick enough. We're going to go find us a substitute so that we can move and get done what we need to get done. They were rebellious and they could not submit to God. Listen, listen, listen. People get on the whole kick. I know pastors. Listen, I know Deacon must have said something that wasn't right. It didn't sit well with her spirit. Boy, she rose her mouth and said, Deacon, what did I say? I'm tripping for being deacon. I ain't even a deacon. I turned around and said, Lord, what did he mean? She kept this broken so smooth. Before he was able to be before he was able to be submissive to a woman, to the man, to the woman of God or the man of God, he was 
because he was talking and convicted God first it did not matter what approaches they showed how they may come at him or whatever it may be he understood that listen I'm following after God I'm following after God and I know that he may he has his person here for me to line myself up and, and to follow but first and foremost I follow and I humble and I submit myself unto God nobody wants to submit themselves to God everybody wants to be spiritually created You don't want no prophet. You don't want no agent. You want nobody working on your behalf. But you want to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. And that's the problem that we have in the church today. Everybody wants to do what they want to do. Nobody wants to submit and follow God. Nobody wants to submit and follow who God has placed there to lead. But everybody has their ideas, your elder brothers. Everybody has a vision. But nobody has truly submitted themselves under the mighty hand of God. Listen, saints of God, you reap what you sow. You want to be rebellious? You want to be bad on your own? All right. Listen, the children of Israel kept, they kept, God will forgive them, God will restore them, but they kept going right back into the same sins. And he turned them up. He said, listen, now, now you done messed up. Because now you're prostituting me. You keep using me for what I can give you, but you don't want to take, you want to take my grace and my mercy and only use it on your time. He said, so I'm going to turn you over. I'm going to turn you over. Listen, it's a sad case when God takes his hand off your life. <coughs> It's a sad place when God takes his hand off your life because you refuse to be obedient unto God. Your life is not your own. But your life is to be submitted unto God so that God can be able to do work with you how he desires to do with you. So pride cannot submit and follow instruction. Pride brags. Pride criticizes and puts others down. God wants us to humble ourselves, and I'm almost done. God wants us to humble ourselves, meaning to bend the knee, to bring down, to place under another. He wants us under his divine authority. He wants us to be submitted to him first. He wants us to humble ourselves under him. He wants us to come under his authority. He wants us to come under his cover. He wants us to come under him. Because it takes a real person. Listen. Folks can shout. They can run. They can hear come a hundred two times. But if they are not submitted to God, all of that means nothing. You can run till you can't run no more. But if you're rebellious against God, it means nothing. You can sing, folks can run, shout, do whatever, flip, pull their own hair out. But if you're not submitted to God, it means absolutely nothing. Solomon, this king, this this young, inexperienced leader that he, he, he catches, he receives the mantle uh, because God tells God, deals with his father and tells his father, well, listen, you're only to bring, prepare the materials, but I'm going to use your son Solomon to be able to finish the work. Solomon, start off right, Elder Robinson. Start off right. 
Ask God for wisdom. And God told me, God came to him in a vein one night and said, what if, ask him whatever it is you desire, I give it to you. What would you ask for if God came to you at night and said, he said, son, daughter, ask me whatever it is you want. I'll give it to you. We'll wake up real quick then. And all Solomon asked for is wisdom. He said, that's it. You're not asking for fame. You're not asking for fortune. You're not asking for riches. He said, because you ask for wisdom, I will give you that plus more. Because your eye was right. Solomon followed after God. Followed, because David told him before, before David died, died and passed on the mantle. He told, he told Solomon, he said, listen, you, one thing that you got to do is you have to follow after God. You have to live up to his commandments. You have to live up to his ordinances. Whatever it is that he wants you to do, do it, son. Learn from me because I made some mistakes. Don't follow after what I did, but follow after God. And so I'm going to 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm almost done. I know it's my second time saying it, but I'm really honest. You know how preachers be saying they're almost done, but they just, they just say introduction, and they just still got like, Eight more pages to go. I hate when that happens. Then you sit in the church and stomach growling because you're hungry and you're ready to go. <laughs> First Kings chapter 11. But King Solomon defiantly loved many foreign women. The daughter of Pharaoh, the, the, the women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonites, and the Hittites. They were of the very nations of whom God said to the Israelites, you shall not mingle with them. Neither shall they mingle with you. For surely they would turn away your hearts after their gods. Yet Solomon clung to these in love. Wait a minute. God told Solomon, do not hang with these women. Don't hang with these group of people because if you do, they are going to turn your heart away from your one true God, the God that puts you where you are, the God that has blessed you, and they're going to turn your heart toward their God. Bad company corrupts good character. And so Solomon says, listen, God, I got this. I got this under control. I know how far to go. I'm just trying to witness to him. I'm just trying to testify to him so they can be saved. <laughs> Lord, I'm just trying to tell them about the goodness of you, Lord. Yeah, he was witnessing all right. And so he did, and the, and the Bible says, yes, Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart from God. His wives turned away his heart from God. Listen, when you are openly and deliberately defiant and rebellious against God, let me know where you're sitting there so I can be as far away from you as I can. Because I'm not going to catch the whooping that you're about to get. Solomon had over a thousand women. Look at all the men that got their heads down. Lord have mercy. You better repent. <laughs> Of a thousand women. <laughs> but they turned his heart away from God. 
Listen, saints of God, when God gives you a command, you may not always understand it. You may not always know what it means. But there's a reason why God gives you a certain command. There's a reason why God gives you a certain warning. Because there's something that he sees in the future that you do not see. Many times our parents told me certain things. Listen, I don't know about you all, but I couldn't spend out of everybody's house growing up. I hated that. Hated it. Folks having sleepovers, I want to go over there. No, you're not. I don't know their parents. They might not go to church. Well, mama, maybe God wants to use me to get them saved. Maybe God wants me to go over there and lay hands, mom. But I couldn't do it. Everybody couldn't come to my house either. Not even family members. I had cousins. I couldn't go. We were flesh and blood. I can't go to their house. They can't come to mine. We only play with each other when it comes to family unions and stuff. It was a reason why they gave those commandments. It's a reason because they saw something in the future that I did not see. So I had one or two options, Mr. Chase. I could either adhere to what they said, reap the benefits, or rebel against what they said, and reap the benefits. God told Solomon, do not hang with these people. He told all of Israel, do not cling to them, don't mingle with them, and they won't mingle with you. Because they will turn your heart away from me. God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God, and he refuses. Listen, I've invested so much in you, and you want to you turn your heart towards somebody else? I don't think so. I don't think so. But Solomon followed after his flesh. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after the, after other gods. And his heart was not perfect, it was not complete, it was not whole with the Lord his God. As was the heart of his father David. We all know David's flaws. He got caught up with Bathsheba. And now because he had something in his life that he didn't deal with, it passed on to his son. And now his son has got caught up. Let me tell you something, saints of God. I say it all the time, but it's true. Deal with the strongholds in your life before the strongholds deal with you. And it may not deal with you as you see such, but it can deal with your kids. It will deal with your kids' kids. It would deal with your kids, 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 because you fail to deal with the strongholds in your life. So Solomon went after the goddess of the Syrianites and, and after Milcom, the abominable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father did. Go to verse 11, it says this. It says this. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you are doing this, and have not and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely rid the kingdom for you and give it to your hands. God said, "Listen, the plans that I have are not going to be ruined because of your arrogance. If you don't want to do it, I'll take it from you, and I will give it to those that serve under you. That's going to do it right." Pride is an enemy 
of revival. Pride does not want to see God bring you into wholeness. Pride does not want to see God do new things in your life. Pride does not want to see God move in your life in a supernatural way. God, pride does not want to see God revive you and to restore you and to break down some walls in your life that's been there for a while. Pride does not, pride does not want to allow yourself to see you for who you really are as being messed up and needed some help. Pride says, I got it all under control. I can do it. I can handle it. God, I don't need you right now. I'll text you if I need you. You have a decision to make today. Got a decision you can make. I can continue to walk in pride and ignore what God is saying. And reap the dis- and reap and, re- and reap the benefits of it, so I can adhere to God and humble myself before God and say, "Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. Messed up, jacked up, confused, don't know, but here I am. I need you to revive my heart." Because I'll do it because you asked me to. If you humble yourself, I will listen. Everything that could have came from your man, I, the, the, the destruction that could have come, I will turn away. I will turn away from it because you sought me. I will turn away from it because you sought me. The doors of the church are open. If there's anybody here in this place,